Oh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Crowcast Tuesday Night Live. You're going to have to forgive me, uh, guys, <laughs> tonight because uh, I'm trying stuff. We've got a new setup, a new look, and uh, it's still pre-season, so uh, I'm clearly still uh, working out the kinks and uh, <laughs> pressing about a thousand buttons at once. But luckily, I have a couple of people here to help me. And uh, one of them, as I lose my headset, one of them is Nikki. How you going, Nick? Oh, I'm doing quite well. So have you mastered the short kicks in the back line yet? <laughs> I've never mastered short kicks in the back line, unfortunately. So <laughs> never mind. Uh, and Pete, how you going, Pete? I'm good, mate. And uh, never fear. It's only pre-season, as you say. You've got plenty of time to iron out the kinks get your uh, game plan in order for round one that's exactly right mate so uh sit back and enjoy uh, particularly those people that are watching us on uh on uh um youtube or facebook <laughs> enjoy my uh panicked look on my face as uh i madly try and get bloody <laughs> screens going uh anyway uh pete nikki did you catch the games on the weekend did indeed, and I did as well. So yes, I can. Uh, I'm able to talk. I didn't see the uh, the ladies' game. Uh, I'm sure Nikki did. Uh, so I guess yep. it, uh, I saw the under twenty threes. If that's where you want to start, for yeah. Why don't we uh, start with the t- it, under twenty threes, though? Yeah, I thought it wasn't a bad hit out uh, for, for the guys. Um, I thought that yeah, both teams had some good um, quality missing. Uh, probably Port more so than us. Um, but uh, overall, uh, a reasonable hit out. Um, not great in the first half, but there were some really good signs from a few of the young kids in the second half. Interestingly enough, and I'd be interested in your thoughts on this, I felt that um, the, the positive stuff that I took away from that game related more to the more recent draftees. Um, mm. The guys that have been there a couple of years, not so much. So I guess... I was particularly impressed with some of the class of 2019. Um, but, gee, I'll tell you what, that 2016 draft, it is... Uh, it's a, it's a just, dog, isn't it? It, it really just is. just starting to look more and more like... And, I, you know, and you all know I've been on the Elliot Hillenberg train for a long time and I really thought that this was his year to come on. I thought that, you know, a few games last year just to, you know, give him a taste and I thought that he was developing nicely and just feel like he's just hit a bit of a brick wall at the moment. Yeah. Agreed. So he's a major concern. Um, Benny Davis, uh, I've just had a gut feeling that Ben is closer than what we might all think to uh, getting a few a few games at the start of this year. I just feel like that Nix has been talking about him a lot, um, and uh, he um, he lined up in that first trial, and I was just expecting a little bit more from him in this match oh, yeah, against the under twenty threes, and yep. so it'll be interesting to see whether he holds his place for the upcoming trial. I'm, I think. I'm just, I'm not sure so that they'll me, play him for three. Um, I I, th- I think he might be a chance, um, Pete. I think there's a lot of faith being put in him. He has been talked up a bit for a, a lot of his defensive work that he's been doing, which mm-hmm. is something that he's had to, I think, work on in the SANFL uh, a bit as well. And, and in the modern game, you've got to have forwards who can do that. And he's got a nice bag of tricks, as you and I both have been trying to But what I've really liked is they've played him where he's need to be played. So when he went into the AFL side for that first Marsh Cup game, he was actually played as a forward. Hmm. And they left him there and they let him play that natural game. And there were a couple of little signs there. I thought there was some signs again as well on the weekend, the under-23 game. There were some issues with delivery from the midfield and unfortunately, as a forward, that's going to limit you. But in contrast, yeah, it's just that, with ben, look, isn't it? Yeah, but you look at what Ben. I'm really impressed with Ben Crocker. Really yeah, like I, the look of him. I, I like Crocker as well. Actually, um, I thought initially he looked a bit shaky, um, made a couple of blues, but he's just seems to be one of those guys that has an innate ability to find a bit of space and create a bit of space for himself. And uh, he plays in front, and attacks leads. the ball. Leads at the ball carrier. Yeah, makes some makes some kick to him on a lead. 
I, I actually I think um, he's really going to get games. Well, I actually wonder whether he might end up being that third sort of medium forward option. Uh, he might end up going ahead of uh, um, Davis and McAdam, I reckon. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. He plays with more intent, but, doesn't he? Yeah, it's just a bit... Ben Davis, he just... There's so much there. There's so much in that yeah. package, and but we only see flashes of it. And yeah. um, but I, I, you know, I'm with Unique as I said at the start. I just got a funny feeling. He's just been talked up a bit in this preseason. So I've got a funny feeling he's close. But you're right, Fanny. I mean, Crocker might have overtaken him. Yeah, well, maybe not yet. But I reckon uh, uh, the other one I reckon is going to get overtaken is uh, Elliot Himmelberg. Um, mm. I can see quite clearly, and I know you're not a fan, Pete, but I can see quite clearly why. We uh, well, we got Billy Frampton on board um, because Elliot, I think, has plateaued at the moment. Yeah, I think he has, and I, and I think that it. I've felt that this preseason has been a bit of a nil or draw between those two. Um, yeah. neither of yeah. them has really put their hand up, and I'd be quite happy for neither of them to um, to be playing in, in round one. I'm not quite sure whether they'll have the courage to go away from that um, well, we structure a, that we've had for so long. We need a second ruck, Pete. That's the problem. Yeah, do we? Well, do we really? Mm, well, we need a chop out. Whether whether they decide to uh, use someone else as a chop out, just and just basically give it away, I don't know. But uh, we need it. They need some sort of a chop out. Yeah, I just wonder whether they can find that within the uh, the squad. You know, the, 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 the guys that yeah. they've got, because I just feel that. You know, neither of those two have um, have said pick me, but you know it's a it's a very very um, uh, it's a it's a structure that they've been in love with for a long time. Yeah, and that's probably you know that's probably due to the, the personnel that we've had. But Jesus, you know who 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 of us could forget you know Sean Gregg being the, the backup ruck in the uh, <laughs> Trent Orman. <Orman-Allen>. This <laughs> 2017 yes, Richmond Grand Final team. Two dads. <laughs> I think I just think that if you've got the player, if you've got the player, if you've got the personnel to say, right, this is the structure that we should have. But if you haven't got the yeah. player, then you just work another structure around it. And we've well, always I, just had I Jenkins. Think so. Yeah. Um, just briefly, to uh, people on Spreaker Chat, thanks for joining us. Um, just give me a thumbs up on the audio levels. As I said, I've been uh, messing around with stuff over the last couple of weeks, and uh, I think the levels are pretty even. Uh, but it's always been a bit of a bugbear of people that are listening that uh, the levels can sometimes be a bit out of whack. So uh, if we're a bit out of whack, just let me know in the chat and I'll uh, balance it up. Um, what what yeah. was really nice on the Saturday was the performances of um, uh, particularly three of the draftees that from last year that I really really liked, and of course Harry Schomburg was was one who had a you know a couple of really lovely bits of play and. I thought Lockie Gallant was—he was just terrific. He just showed some um, some real intent. You know, um, a lot's been made of his size, but you know, it is what it is. He still plays good football. Yeah, and he still loves to tackle. He loves he to get in. And, yep, he no, absolutely. Care that he's getting he's still going to try and take players down. And I thought um, Ronan O'Connor had some some good moments in the midfield as well. Yes, um, just looked to me like he uh, he could be something. So I just I just I felt more buoyed by the twenty nineteen. Uh, draftee class more than anything. Um, well, obviously, Darcy Fogarty looked good. It does beg the question that, um, and there was a bit of discussion on, uh, uh, I think, Big Footy um, during the week with regards to um, the various draft classes and, and Hamish Ogilvie's um, success rate. And when you think about it, you, you remove uh, Darcy from the equation because he pretty much picked himself. But um, uh, Hamish has had a pretty lean year d- during that 2016 to 2018 period, really. And probably since, uh, I mean, he picked up Tom, um, but probably apart from Tom, there hasn't been much for the, in that in that sort of 16 to 18 pool. Would you agree? No, oh, Ham- Hamill and Shola quite nice. Well, they haven't played an AFL game yet. Yeah, so it's yeah, hard. but that's it's... not their fault. Well, and that actually is a good. I'm glad you raised that. Nikki, because it, it then becomes, a, I guess, a, a discussion about well, at, at, at what point do you lay the blame at Hamish, or what, yeah. or, or do you do you blame do you blame the the selection policy where, you know, we've still got you know who running around, and um, you know, I mean, 
after the game, and he he was another one. That actually, he, he had a decent game on the weekend and played some good football last year. He's a you know he's a he's a top thirty. Did he, was he drafted thirty or just before? In a, in a you know uh, in, in a great draft, yeah. And he's now in his second year. Now he should be playing yeah. this weekend. He should be playing Friday. And I tell you what, if they you know if they're running DMAC around oh, um, in round one when you've got Hamill wasting away in the, in the reserves, well you'd tear your hair out if you're Hamish, really, wouldn't you? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, that's for, that's a very good point, Peter. Uh, as a recruiter, all you can do is put the players in the squad and then it's up to the coaching staff to play them and uh you know you would i reckon you would get a bit despondent after a while to be honest um if you're picking good kids and you knew their you knew their potential and their worth and then you just saw them stagnate and nothing against david mckay but let's let's be honest um he he hasn't really been the answer for the last four or five years um and we need to move on from him. it's not as if we haven't got other kids that can play in that spot Mm. So we've got, a, we've, you know, we've got exciting talent there, but you've got to play him. I was just going to say, and the fact that we're looking at moving Miller and Moore through the midfield from half back, we're definitely going to see a lot more of Smith. There's the opportunity for these guys to come in and replace him. And by the look of it, from what, and as much as I love Bull, um, Jake Kelly, he's he another one. Quite a lot. He was quite a liability on the weekend. Um, yep. I, I think those guys, there's an opportunity there to, to take those chances. And you can see that there's some pressure being put mm. on, um, that we've already heard that um, Mackesy's going to play on Friday. Yep. Um, uh, but I actually thought did well in spite of the fact that the umpire didn't know what the rules were um, <laughs> to do with Mitch Brown. Um, and, you know, and that kid's still a rookie. Oh, I think so Butts has definitely got some potential. Oh. I, I like the look of him. I know, Pete, yeah, you've Pete, liked him Pete's for a not. while. Yeah, we, we've liked him, haven't we, Pete? Absolutely. Look, we've, Nikki, we've, we've loved the, the current sort of, if you, want to, if you want to put it in inverted commas, the current sample team. Yeah. It's been a, it's a, it's a real, you know, I mean, and look, they, you know, they, what did they make, a prelim final last year? They did, and they should have won. And we've talked, you know, and we, we talked about this ad nauseum last year that, he, you know, they're a side that actually – were on top of the ladder. It was actually when they started rotating um, a few, you know, um, guys that were being dropped from the from the seniors that it just unbalanced them a little bit. But when they were just playing, and then they, you know, they, they pulled the season around. So there was a lot of good players in that Sandville team that were playing really good football against yeah. men, and yeah. you know, but they just need their chance. All, all I'll say is the one disappointment for me out of those guys is McHenry. Um, I think he's still a little bit shaken um, from the injuries and things he had last year, which is a bit of a surprise to me because leading up to there, he was absolute gangbusters in the SNFL. Then he got his back injury, and I know there were a few others that the club didn't report. But he's come back. He's done most of the preseason, still been managed. But that Melbourne game, he looked like a deer in a headlights. He, well, he he's lost at that level. And he didn't quite have it at the under twenty three game, so he's, he's one I do. Yeah, I, he's one I really like, but he just didn't look right mm. yet. Uh, I know Ned's a bit of a um, a fan favourite, even though he hasn't played yet. Um, but when you look at what was taken around that pick in that draft, and given the fact that we had already. Um, <laughs> We, we drafted a, a let's face it a smallish midfielder in Chase. Um, in retrospect, do you think Ned was the right pick? Did I, I'm starting to doubt his uh, ability to step up. Look, I can only I, I can only assess him on, on what I saw um, and what Nicky was referring to pre-injury, mm. and I, you know I saw him. Um, I saw him take centrals to the cleaners at Elizabeth. I saw, him take, I, I saw him take Norwood to the cleaners in the bog on a Friday night in the wet. Mm. Um, you know, and, and genuinely take these teams to the cleaners in clearances around the midfield. Then he gets his injury. Now, if it was just a back injury I, or whether there was other thing, I don't know. The, there I, I, th- other I think that there's a lot around Ned McHenry that we don't know. Um, Where do we play him? And, well, he should be. He, sh- he should be. So he should start off as a small forward, but moving through the midfield, he's yeah. a midfielder. 
And see, therein lies the problem, I think. We've got a lot of small forwards, <laughs> you know, and probably a couple ahead of him. Like, Stengel looks like he's uh, he's the ready-made replacement for Eddie. Yep. Um, so he gets first run. Um, you know, Chase has been played a little bit as a, as a small forward. Um, but I don't think... I don't think that's happening with him under Knicks. Well, I hope not. I hope oh. they just play him where he was picked to, you know, drafted to play, and that's yep. in the midfield. So I, I don't know. Think I, Murphy's the one. Yeah, Murphy's the other one. And see, Murphy and McHenry are very similar. They are, but Ned's got that little bit more class, I think. Yeah, oh. ab- absolutely. I, I, think, I think so, Nick. I, I, I haven't agree. seen I, class at the level can, yet. I, not at AFL level, yeah. no, definitely not. not. I think that we just need to reserve judgment until he's fit. Yeah. You know, I just don't think he's fit. Yeah, that, and that's a fair call. That's a fair call. And um, you guys have seen a lot more of him at SANFL level than I have. Um, but the couple of games that I have, or, you know, the bit that I've seen him play at the level, he he hasn't had the pace of it at all. And that's really surprised me, actually. Uh, and he's one of these frenetic players, high energy, you know, lots of energy around the ball, which is fantastic. But... Given where he was taken in the draft and yep. given who went around him uh, and the one that springs to mind is Dersma. Yep. Um, you know, uh, did we make the right call at that pick? I'm not quite sure. And I think that's a re- and that's fair comment as well because he's in his second year and uh, and it was, a, you know, inverted commas, a super draft. And as you say, there's a lot of good players around. So, yep, it's... Uh, that's certainly a question mark um, over, um, and also you know, I mean, we need we need to see Chase step up this year as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so we need to, um, yeah, we need to see something from from those guys for sure. Because as you said, as as we said at the start, I mean, the, the biggest disappointment for me this whole preseason is Jordan Gallucci. Oh um, goodness me! Tremendously disappointing that he can't even get himself up for a um, yeah. a trial game, and um, so that's just um, I. I don't know what's going on there, but there's obviously something, you know, a bit deeper that we're not saying. And um, oh, I'm starting well, to worry, t- Pete, about Jordan. Yeah. Oh, it's a massive worry. Massive worry. Mm. But if his head's not in the game and if he can't get that consistency up, which we need, which Godden didn't allude to, he flat out said what it is. And you know what? I'm actually trusting a coach who comes out and says that, that he knows the player and knows yeah. that that's what they need. Yeah. And I quite liked that um, because – and that's the hard thing about coaching that a lot of people kind of don't understand because they, they've only like experienced those old school footy coaches who just yells at everyone, um, is that you really do need to understand what motivates each and every player. And I hope we can actually see the best out of Jordan because he's got a hell of a lot of talent there and some really nice tricks that – yeah. I mean, we saw from that Carlton game, you know, two years ago yeah. where he finally got played in the midfield and he was outstanding. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it was against Carlton at that stage. And yeah. it's just so frustrating. I reckon at at his best and getting enough of the ball, he play he actually plays a lot like Jason Akamanis. But at mm. his at yeah. his worst, I think he is um a poor man's Richard Douglas. Apart, and you know, I'm talking about Dougie's last couple of years, where you know, and I've, you know, I'm not really a fan of Richard Douglas. Uh, he's a 15 possession midfielder, um, and you know, very hot and cold in and out. And that's that's where I think that Jordan could end up if he doesn't apply himself. But I think if he applies himself, he's got enough pace. He's he's got a low center of gravity like Ackermanis had. He's got good foot skills. It's just got a little bit of mongrel about him. He, he straight lines the ball and, and, and hits the ball hard and hits the contest hard. So I think at his best, he's Acker. Or, you know, a plays like Acker. Acker Manus was pretty unique. But at his worst, I think he's a 10 to 15 possession midfielder. Mm. And for a first round draft pick, again, that's very disappointing. And I'll we've got enough what, of them. The, the, the game that I go back to, Jordan Gallucci, is last year against Melbourne. Uh, up in the Territory. Uh, now, he only had, I reckon, 11 or 12 possessions. Yeah. But his influence on the game was enormous. Yeah. 
absolutely enormous. Now, I yeah. can't think of it off the top of my head now, but I know that I've done the analysis previously. His, if you looked at his statistical data from that game, what he did with his 12-odd possessions, it was ridiculous. Almost that, every possession was either an inside 50, yeah. a goal assist, or, or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like He has the capacity absolutely, to Peter. hugely influence games of football. Yeah. He has that ability. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in, in that frame of mind, I'd take 20 possessions from Jordan opposed to most other players. 100%. Getting, you know, like, a, like, a, like, a, like a Matt Crouch, 45 possessions with 100%. 43 handballs. Well, there, there's another player we've got missing that's also that small forward role who's injured is Riley Knight, and that's our issue with Riley, uh, is that he can't get over the 20 possessions. No. And yet you look at the contrast of the hurt factor that Gooch can do with 20 possessions, yeah. you don't get that same hurt factor yeah. from Riley. No. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I think Riley was actually done a disservice when they started using him with run-with roles. And I think I understand yeah. why they started using him that way because he's fairly tenacious. But I think it was also a uh, means to get him following good players uh, to start running better patterns. But unfortunately, a combination of injury and just a, a lack of uh, a lack of him coming on. Like I, I don't think we've seen Riley Knight play what you would call a quote unquote breakout game mm. uh, as a genuine midfielder. And if he's not a genuine midfielder that can get twenty quality possessions a week, then what is he? You know, he's there's no other spot for Riley. And now that he's had that injury, I, 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 I don't know whether he's. Uh, he fits anymore in our best 22 or probably even in our best 25, to be honest. Um, just as we, uh, we, we're um, pushing up to half an hour already, so did you want to move on to... Sorry to chop that, but I know that you were trying to chop the, the timer. 22 Tuesday, minutes, Pete. It's only 22. Oh, I, I've got the timer right here in front of me. I was, I was, I was worried that we need to uh, give Nikki some air, clear air for, for the A4W. But, oh, no. Whoa. She, 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 gets, she gets 30 well, that, minutes. That could be painful. Hey, now, so here's, well, okay, just quickly looking forward to Gold Coast then. Yeah. How, do you, how do you think that's going to shape up? Oh, wow. Who I knows? <laughs> who knows, really? Gold Coast smashed Geelong. Um, and, they, and Geelong didn't have a... Um, like a small side or, no. you know, their lower talent. They had their talent up there, but Gold Coast wanted to win. I've never actually thought Gold Coast were as bad as what their ladder position makes them out to be. Same. Uh, I've, I've always really liked the way they played. Uh, a couple of years ago, I thought they were actually on the improve, on the up and up, and then they fell in a massive hole. And I think... I think a lot of that was actually caused by the structure of the club and certain key personnel, and they never really recovered from losing Ablett and, uh, you know, bits and pieces like that. But I still think, I still think that with a good coach, and by all reports, Jew was a good coach, he's had that group now for a little while. Um, You know, they were able to retain some key players. Like, the fact that Gold Coast were able to retain Lukosius and... and, um, What's his name? The other South Aussie King, Rankin, Rankin, um, King, yeah, and obviously King. King as well. I mean, that says something to me about the organisation, and mm. I everyone's got them as uh, you know cellar dwellers this year. I don't, I don't think no. they're actually going to be the pushover that people are, are rating them, and I think they'll be a real test for us in round one. Yeah. Real test. Calling them cellar dwellers, and I know that's not you. I know that that's it's it's the media out there. It's just yeah. lazy journalism. I agree. I, I agree. They're not they're not that. They've got too much quality yeah. in that team. And yeah. as I yeah. said, I think the key is now Jews being able to basically pull apart what they've been doing and regroup them and and get some good system uh, into their play. Uh, so you know. I, I don't think they're easy beats at all. And I think what we've seen from... Little that we've seen from the Crows at the moment. Uh, Matthew Nix is obviously very keen to instill his brand of football. And uh, it's different in some respects to what we've seen the Crows play over the last three or four years. You add in some new um, new talent into the team. Some young kids who uh, are finding their feet and you know probably need to find some 
composure and all that sort of stuff put in a new game plan that in some respects i mean the short kicking out of defense requires not only precision in terms of disposal but also something that we've lacked in a key area and that's work rate we don't work hard hard enough to not only make space for a lead but also to clear space behind the lead you know so i think there's lots of challenges for the squad, lots of challenges for Knicks, and I don't think we've seen us play anywhere near um, what his blueprint would be, and I think it's going to be more than just a couple of weeks. I think it's going to be a lot of this season. Yep. And, and I'm actually fine with that because um, Seisman talked about the fact that they've had to learn a new way to defend. Yep. They've had to learn a new way to move the ball. So we're going to see us leak goals, unfortunately. We're going to see those quality players that we know are good defenders are going to get caught up. It's going to happen. So people have to be patient regarding it. But the couple of times we saw in the Marsh game and the under-23 game, when we could get those short kicks working fast and then we move that ball down the ground, that's some really good-looking football that was happening. Um so there's going to be little glimpses like that. Um, but you know what? A lot of us have lived through the Robert Shaw years. We <laughs> oh, can do but, it again. Yeah, completely different. Uh, like uh, We've said it before on this podcast, you know, this year for us is all about watching kids develop and watching the game plan develop and, and all that. And yep. anyone that gets upset this year about poor results um, is their expectations need an adjustment because it's... it's Whatever we get out of it, the main thing that we're going to get out of it is 22 games into our next, uh, you know, core group of players that hopefully take us back into finals contention. Yeah, when that's and and that's what will the only thing that will annoy people is if that's not what we see, and if we see exactly and 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 actually a tweet that Andrew Fagan released, I think it was today, was just a little bit concerning about you know that uh, we'll get back to playing, you know, what we want to see is, you know, exciting football. What Crows fans want to see is exciting football and our team playing finals. And I, I, I thought that just rang, that just, you know, I just didn't, I don't know. I don't know. What I want to see is is what you just described and set out, Fane. I want yeah. to see, you know, I want to see youth. I want to see, you know, I want to see mistakes being made. I want yeah. to see kids that lack composure. I want to see all those. So that's what I want to be looking for. Yeah, um, sh- I don't. I don't want to see us, you know, playing, um, you know, older players and 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 clinging on by our fingernails, trying to trying to grab eighth spot. Do Do you reckon he? I mean, he's. Uh, I, th- I think one of the things that the review showed was the fact that Andrew really wasn't. Um, you know, he, he was far more concerned with memberships and bums on seats and engagement and all the rest of it. And it makes you wonder whether a comment like that from Andrew is more about, you know, just engaging the fans. I don't, yeah, I don't that's think, right. Probably. I don't think we've heard anything from anyone involved in the coaching side or the player development side that yep. suggests that we're going to have a, a quick dead cat bounce and that's what they're expecting. Yeah. And I think... No, that's no, fair comment. That's what, if you listen to, to what Nix has been saying, he keeps reiterating, stick with us. You're going to see kids. You're yeah. going to see some exciting stuff. Yep. There's going to be ups and downs, but stick with us. Yeah. So he's already tempering that. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he played butts in the first Marsh game, and he's already said he's only playing 22 for this Friday. I really like Being big butts. Like <laughs> <laughs> waiting for you to pull that one out. <laughs> um, and Mackesy's going to play this game. Um, you know, we've already seen him put Paholki in the guts and leave him in the guts. He did yeah. that with Jones. I think we're going to see what we what we wanted. I think we're going to get that from Nick's. And as long as those above him don't panic, yeah. As soon as people start complaining, and they're going to complain, and they're going to be loud, and they're going to be the loudest voices on Double A, but who really gives a shit oh, about yeah. those ones? Because yeah. it's the same people over and over again. Well, the thing is, I think he can stick to his guns. We've been banging on for for what probably eighteen months on this podcast about the need for change. We've got change now. It'll yeah, be hypocritical of us now to bloody sit back and bag them, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and it, couldn't and agree more. The same with blokes like Stephen Rowe and Five AA and those blokes that were also in their own way 
banging on for change, we now need to embrace it. And, you know, yeah. I hate to use the, the phrase, but we now need to back the club in. You know, the, the, the club has actually done everything that we've asked for over the last six months. You know, there's been an yep. admin clean out. There's been a review. There's been a turnover of the list. Everything, everything that we've asked for, they've done, um, which, A, makes makes it quite obvious, Peter, that we're uh, completely right. <laughs> 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 it's vindication. But also, it, it like we now need to get behind the club. I think the Adelaide media need to get behind the club. You're going to have the trolls like Kane Corns who are going to have little snipes now and again. But I think... Uh, you know, blokes on five double A, blokes on triple M, Jarman and all the rest of it. We we actually need to assess what we're looking at now, rather than have these expectations. And as you say, the cheap journalism, Peter, about you know, oh, we're not making finals, blah 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 blah. We we need to back this new squad in. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, you know, I'm uh, you know, I think we're all just you know, ultra keen to see kids like, you know, Will Hamill. And, yep. you know, those of us who followed the Sandfall last year and followed the progress of those kids were just ultra keen to see those kids playing. Yeah. And, DSG, we are interactive, so uh, thanks to everyone on Spreaker for joining in. Obviously, uh, there's also live chat on YouTube and Facebook. I don't know whether it's coming through on my little chat streamer there, but uh, uh, nonetheless, uh, have your say. DSG on the chat says, you know, if in the pursuit of change they stay in the same path, have they changed? Well, I, that's the key, isn't it? That's what we're looking for, Peter, isn't it? If if mm. if they give DMAC twenty two games, if they um, pick a, a senior bloke instead of a junior kid, uh, you know, if they play fog in defence in the in the twos, <laughs> you know, if we see that sort of stuff, if we see that sort yep. of stuff, then you could argue that you know it, nothing's really changed. But fog shouldn't be in the twos. Of course not. I, I've found Jason Dunstall's uh, comments and also Matthew Pavlich's uh, comments over the pre-season when they've had the opportunity and they haven't said anything directly but you can you can tell by their words that they've got an insight into the footy club now and I've been particularly interested in some of the little comments that they've said about junior development and opportunity. Mm. So hopefully, yep. hopefully, um, you know, that is... Now, and I think it's going to be a, a change uh, for the club that's going to take a while because I think there's some fairly entrenched practices. And I hope one of the things when you do a review, and Pete, you'd know this, and Nikki probably too, one of the things you do when you review is you revisit your results two months' time, three months' time, six months' time to make sure that the outcomes that you've actually identified and put in place, make sure you're tracking on those. And I hope yep. that they've got the mechanisms in place, whether whether it's a, a, a flyby by Dunstall or whether it's an internal mechanism, to make sure that what they learnt through this review and what they decided to implement, they're actually tracking on. Otherwise, it's very easy as a, as a corporation or a, a culture to slip back into old habits. So, yeah. All right, um, a bit of AFL news before we um, get on to the AFLW, Nick. And what uh, one thing that I was really interested in seeing, Peter, and I don't know whether you picked this up, Patrick Bloody Dangerfield standing next to, uh, I think it was Cochin and Hardwick uh, mm-hmm. during the anthems at the uh, quote-unquote State of Origin game, mimicking the power stance. Did you happen to catch that? Oh, yes. I saw, I saw a photo I later. saw a photo of it. Well, I saw a photo of it. So, and I was going to uh, tweet Patty, but then I thought, why? Um, but there's a couple of things about that. <laughs> first of all, first of all, if that doesn't put a bit of a fire in the belly to Adelaide players, not so much what Danger was doing, but Cochin and Hardwick's reaction to what Danger was doing, you know, that yeah. needs to really light a bit of a fire. But... More importantly for Dangerfield, I, th- I, th- I feel sorry for him because clearly that's the only chance he's going to get to do anything like that because he wasn't there on 2017 Grand Final Day doing a power stance, was he? He wasn't there. Where was he? He was... He was no, no, uh, no. He, he, he was opposite that happening to him. 
he, and he was they at, got their asses kicked. He was at Mogs Creek while we were standing on the MCG on grand final day. Um, yeah. And let's be honest, if Patrick Dangerfield was standing in that line on grand final day doing a power stance, things might have been a bit different. So Paddy can sit there and laugh, but by taking the money and run to the uh, back to Mummy in, in Mogs Creek... Uh, he might have cost himself the opportunity to stand on the MCG on grand final day and do a power stance and then stitch up Richmond and be a premiership player instead of just being a Brownlow medalist at Geelong whose fortunes are fading fast. Uh, well, they, they, they're, they're on the edge of a cliff, Geelong, and I think Absolutely. they're gone. I think, I think that, the and sorry to sidetrack, but the last kick in the guts for them was was Kelly going. That is yes, that I was agree. just massive for them. They are cooked. Yep. And Dangerfield now, he will not be a premiership player. And I'd no. be very, very surprised if he even gets to another prelim, to be honest. It was it was quite amusing though during that telecast when they did talk to him on the bench and they asked him a question where they wanted him to say how he was so excited about playing with Martin you know, Bontempelli or whatever, as to, you know, who he's most looking forward to play with. And he said, Sloaney, I just want to play with, you know, my mate again. And you could you could actually hear the deflation in the interviewer <laughs> just like, oh, oh, I wasn't expecting that because Sloane's not a star. But if you actually watch that game, the amount of time Sloane and Walker were involved in scoring opportunities with clever handballs, um, and what they were doing was very, very interesting. And the other thing that I thought was also very interesting was how far Betts has fallen. He's just not up to it. Oh, it well, just showed. I think the jury's out on that, Nick. I think the jury's out on that simply because that was possibly the the most ridiculous game under the State of Origin banner I have ever witnessed. Yeah. I mean... You can't send a team of players who represent the rest out on a field with a white Guernsey with a gold bloody emblem. Like, it was the... It, they look... Oh, it, I mean, at least give them a Guernsey that looks powerful, for God's sakes. I mean, they're up against the big V and they're coming out in, in a cricket bloody Guernsey, for God's sakes. They look terrible. <laughs> There was no pressure on the game. People are using it as a as a yardstick to future Origin. It's got nothing to do with Origin. No. That was an exhibition no. game. It should be it was called All Stars. Just an, just an exhibition. It, it should be it, called it All Stars. It shouldn't be called Origin. Yeah, which is what should, what it should have been called. It was done for a good reason. Yeah, um, absolutely. There was some really nice football being played. It was, you know, that ball was zinging around. You did see some of the best players. I love. I did love the fact, though, that they quite literally, with Grody, um, Grody, Brody Grundy in the ruck, you know, they they were almost unstoppable when when that was happening, um, and that was surprising. Hey, the commentators, and I think everybody else there going, "Hang on, so other people are actually better than Victoria." Nick, you're reading into A4W like. time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't um, have a lot to say about them after that performance. Well, the other funny thing that came out of that uh, exhibition game was David King, the idiot, and it's the first time I've agreed with Kane Cornsfrold. David King's come out and said, well, you know, it was so good to see uh, really good players fresh at the end of the game and because of the unlimited um, interchange. Uh, you know, players were fresh and we need to bring that back in and yada, yada, yada. What an idiot. First of all, it was an exhibition game. <laughs> Second of all, the reason why we've brought fatigue into the game of football is actually to stop the ability for players to flood and for uh, you know grounds to become congested because obviously fatigue means that the game actually opens up, David, and you're not going to get that free-flowing uh, football. You've only had to look at the football for the last five years to understand that the reason we've put a cap back in is to try and stop that full press, that full ground press. What an idiot. The guy's an analyst and he said something like that after after watching an exhibition game where no one wanted to touch anyone else. Agreed. 
Sorry, my headset just yep. fell out. Um, so anyway. You're doing well with a headset tonight. Oh, because I'm not using a headphones. I'm using a little bud thing. Um, all right. Anyway, enough of that. That was silly. Uh, anything else in the AFL before we move on to the women? Nope. I think that's it. Give us some uh, women's news, uh, Nikki. Uh, it was a bit of a disappointment. Um, y- yes and no. I actually didn't expect us to win um, because I think of where we're at um, at the moment. We, we've come back from Geelong. We had a game which was quite a tough game um, against Geelong and pretty much in that third quarter, uh, watching the game, being there live, it's like we're tired. We're just, I mean, even in the third quarter, Marinoff could only jog after a player. She couldn't run. Um, I did think she actually spent most of the week in Melbourne. She actually wasn't training. So I wonder what was kind of whether that was compounding a little bit, but the whole team looked pretty tired um, as well. We lost Jess Foley. Um, in the second quarter, that then hampered our ruck rotations. It meant Ree Metcalf in her first game back at this level had to play more in the ruck than what she was going to. We had to um, then push Hatchard and Bedell, uh, young Chelsea Bedell, into the ruck. Um, she didn't do too badly. Um, but we, it just looked too tired. And the game plan that Clarkey instigated to have a loose player in defence our defenders were confused as to who was supposed to be the loose player. That's how Carlton were able to get those free players. They worked it around better um, than what we were trying to do. So if anybody's looking at it saying particular defenders had bad games, it was partly that setup they were being made to play, which was causing some of the the confusion. Um, I think he should have just stuck Sarah Allen on, um, Harris and left it at that instead of trying to get her to be played loose in front of her. Sarah doesn't do loose player. She she plays best when she's got somebody to man up on and to follow and to counteract. And when she was one-on-one with her, you saw her comfortably beat Harris. Um, so that's an issue I kind of had with that. You could see the players getting tired and he kept sticking to that loose player in defence, which meant they had a loose player. They were fitter. They were using it better. If he'd just gone back to one-on-one in that last quarter, I think it might have been a slightly different result, even with how fatigued we were getting because Carlton don't have long kicks. They can only do short kicks. So as soon as you allow them to have a loose player, they can bring that short kicking game in. If you're on them and there's always an opponent, then you can get the pressure on them. They don't handle pressure that well at times. Mm. So I I think we lost it with players being tired. I didn't like Maddie Newman being dropped. I didn't think she should have been dropped. Um so I thought there was some issues with selection, but it was fabulous to see Aaron back. It was even better to see the beast back in Remetcalf. Um, and so those players will be better for the run, but we've got a really hard game coming up against North down in Hobart this week. We're not contending this year, are we, Nick? I think that's pretty clear. No. Well, actually, we can still make finals. I oh, know. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. That's not what I said, though. I don't know because I don't think there really is a team that's a standout. Oh, North have been going pretty so well. So much to me. Uh, uh, no, you didn't see them on the weekend. Gold Coast nearly had them. Mm. Gold Coast at Arden Street nearly had them. So North, North I don't think uh, – I, I think everybody's actually around the mark. I think it's almost anybody's competition and unfortunately – the number of ACLs that are compounding, um, and we've had other ones on the on the weekend um, with Brazil, etc. Look, that's starting uh, to become an issue. That's something yes. that's starting to become an issue that the um, AFL need to address, in my opinion. They they are actually collecting data. There is, I think, somebody who's um, 
I think outside of there as well, who is doing a lot of um, that data collection as well on it. Mm. Um, and they, what their contrast, I think they're actually looking at the numbers in terms of the VFLW as well, because I think a lot of the argument is on the right track of the time of year we're playing it on grounds that are hard, a shorter pre-season as mm. opposed to winter with a longer pre-season that you have leading into that competition, softer grounds, um, which a lot more people have played on. So for the simple, like we're playing at Richmond Oval and I know that West Adelaide are actually banned from training on the Oval uh, for certain times in order yeah. to keep it ready to go for the AFLW games. Yeah. Um, so I think there's some very good information that will be collated out of it. Yes, women in a lot of sports do. Um, seem to have a preponderance of knee injuries, but I also think you need to look at the types of sports they are, how they're being, where they're being played. So for netball, it's on a hard surface. Mm. It's a lot of short turning, and a lot of those players do ankle injuries. Mm. They then do like quite heavy strapping on the ankles. Now, if you've got your ankle strapped, where's the force if you get a side-on force, and if it can't be impacted in that ankle because of there, it's going to go up to the next joint, which is the knee, which really doesn't go sideways. Um, I, I think there's there's a number of factors, but it is actually being looked at. Yeah, it's almost as concerning, uh, and I don't want to downplay the concussion issue, um, but it's almost co- as concerning as the concussion issue in the context of women's footy because, uh, you know, it, it could be a physiological thing, Nick, in terms of... Uh, uh, the way the the women have to train in order to strengthen that that area of their bodies, um, yeah. you know, lots of research uh, required. Um, but you hate to see the amount of ACLs. Uh, yeah, you know. and clubs, I think that clubs you know what I also a, a lot of work around it. I also think there's a case with the women if they continue. Uh, there's a case for actually having a look at their boots um, and actually uh, sacrificing ah. a little bit of grip. In order to uh, on that, yeah, and remember the time, Nikki. Got, yes, uh, just on that. Um, I've got a new pair of footy boots this year, which is ASICs have been working with the Australian Physiotherapy Association. Yeah, yeah. they've redesigned football boots for women. Yeah, so the heels actually raise. They are incredibly light, and when I yeah. put them on, high heels playing footy—that's a bit stereotypical, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's because of the impact of the lower leg injuries. Yeah, raising the heel heel up actually decrease the low. So it's not a full high heel. It's just like yeah, I understand what you mean. Different. Yeah. So there, there's a lot more research that's being done into footy boots. Um, yeah. So there's the, all this stuff is kind of happening. It's going to take a couple of years before we see, hopefully, results come out, more things being found out about. And another thing which um, also needs to be touched on with female athletes is um, menstruation. Yeah. So that does affect as well. And um, so somebody else reported, I think, like the Brisbane players, they've been recording data of all mm. their players regarding it and things like that. And a lot of other clubs, I think, will be doing exactly the same thing. Yeah. So it, it's horrible now. Um, but I think that there is attention on it, but it's going to take time to get that data. Yeah to get the results. And so we'll next week we've got North, uh, or this week coming up we've we got do. North, um, North over on there. Saturday down at Hobart. Oh, Hobart. Holy crap. Yeah. Is it? That's the first women's game in Hobart, is it? I think it in is. In Tassie? Or, oh, I mean, no, in terms of the AFLW anyway. Did they? I think they might have gone there last year. Anyway. Um, so that's going to be that's going to be another challenge uh, for the for the ladies. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I just to me it just seems like we're a combination of a little bit off the boil. We've had some injuries. Obviously, we had a couple of um, key ins last week, but they'll be underdone. Um, and you'd argue that maybe not enough time in the season for them to get back to full match fitness. So it's going to be a big challenge for the for the women's team uh, to back up again. Um, but one thing that we do know is that uh, they're always up for a fight, the ladies. Uh, so I guess uh, <laughs> I guess uh, discard them at your peril. Uh, look, that's all we've got time for, guys. 
thank you to everyone that's on the chat um, on Spreaker, on Facebook, on YouTube. Uh, Apologise if it's seemed a little bit stilted. It's still pre-season, and we are uh, going for a bit of a new look this year. So um, <laughs> it's, it's those short kicks through the back line. It is. It's short kicks, and I've missed a few targets tonight, Nikki. I've got to say. Uh, but unlike the Crows team, you guys have run really hard to uh, to cover me, so thank you for that. Uh, thank you, Peter. Um, All good, mate. Good to catch up. That's right. Uh, obviously, uh, the men are playing Gold Coast on Friday night in the last of the Marsh series. Uh, no, Friday afternoon at 4.20. Yep, 4.20. Uh, Can we why? say how stupid why? the AFL are for I don't that? understand. I don't understand. Why? Don't they want, they want anyone to, to turn up. Yeah, it's a, goal, it's a game against Gold Coast, don't they? Like... Yeah. There'll be nine people there. Um, obviously, and then we've got the uh, the rest until uh, the season proper starts. Um, we will obviously be uh, returning with a rev up uh, before round one uh, and obviously the rap show as well on Sundays uh, at the conclusion of round one as well. So stick with us. Um, leave us comments if you've got some ideas or some comments about our presentation or our look if you want to see something on a Tuesday night. We're trying to make this one quick fire and interactive uh, on, and leave all the analysis for the Sunday and Thursday show or rev up shows. Pete, I think we did it right. I think no, we, we did it right. We got to what is it, fifty one minutes? Not too bad considering we're covering the uh, AFLW as well. No, fair enough. <laughs> Good stuff, mate. And one Love thing you. that I did do, uh, Peter, I forgot to do outro music. So um, <laughs> we haven't got any outro music. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks. <laughs> Cheers, guys. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Night all.